Now, when he saw the crowds, when he looked at all the people who were gathered to hear him, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. He sat down, they sat down. His disciples came to him, and they sat down. And he began to teach them, saying, Blessed, blessed, to be considered honored and fortunate, and enriched. Yes, enriched. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who understand and are aware of their own spiritual poverty. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They are the citizens of the kingdom. God's kingdom. And have Christ as their king. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Mourn are grieved with the wicked. The wickedness of this world. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God himself will soothe away their tears. And there will be no crying anymore. Anymore. For they will be comforted. And blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who don't push themselves into first place. Blessed are those who aren't violent or self-absorbed. Yes, they are blessed. Blessed. Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Their hunger is not for more or for much, but they thirst to be right with God. To be forgiven and reconciled to him. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are those who show mercy, who can say, I forgive you. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. They who forgive will be forgiven. God will not hold any sin to their account. Not one. For they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. Those whose hearts are not distracted with many loves. But who have a heart with a single love. A love for God. A love that consumes their heart and soul. And mind and strength. A single love. A pure love. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. The reconcilers. Those who bring together the estranged and help them become one. Like Jesus did. Yes, like Jesus did. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Daughters of God. Those who are like God and understand his mission for this world. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. When they spit on you. When they go out of their way to put you down. When they see enough of Jesus in you that they have to either say yes to him or reject him outright. Say yes to him. Or reject him outright. Blessed are you when people falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Because of me. Because of Jesus. Rejoice and be glad. Yes, rejoice. Be glad. Say hallelujah. Sing in celebration. Rejoice. Rejoice because great is your reward in heaven. In heaven. In God's presence. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You receive a prophet's honor. You receive Jesus' honor. That people see so much of Jesus in you. That they get the point. That it's not hidden. That they can see what you stand for. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. 
for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Uh, good morning. You know, one, one thing that I <clears throat> really uh, enjoy about this series, it's both the last series, is that every week we're reading the entire Beatitudes uh, from Matthew 5 in some different ways, which is really, really cool. And, you know, just this morning I'm sitting over there and listening to these lovely ladies start to read, and then Barry White shows up on the, side, the stage over here and sing hallelujah. I can't even get that low. Though. So it, it's really, it's really neat. God's Word's a great gift to us. So, you know, as we as we go into, continue into these Beatitudes, this, this uh, third Beatitude today, what we need to understand is this. For the entire Sermon on the Mount, in which the Beatitudes are the first part of, is that Jesus' purpose in this teaching is for God to get glory by the way his disciples live. Okay? For God to get glory by the way his disciples lived. And the Beatitudes are the, the foundational character qualities that set the pace for the rest of the sermon. Um, and it's, it, we were sitting in our planning meeting and going over the schedule of you know, who's going to be preaching on some of these. And, and uh, th- this one fell on me. And I had to kind of laugh to myself because out of all the Beatitudes I probably need the most work on, it's probably this one. So, um, you know, it's, it's God's grace and his humor all kind of wrapped into one. And so I just, I just say that because uh, a lot of, you know, the things that I'm going to be preaching today, I'm, I'm preaching to myself too. And we're, we're all on a journey together and growing in the Lord, right? Amen. So, uh, so let, let's, let's do that. Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Let's, let's pray. Father God, we come before you today thankful for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for your word. Thank you for a place where we can come and worship and learn and be encouraged together. Um, So Lord, I I pray that the words I say today will be the words that you want me to say. So I pray that your spirit helps me. And Lord, I pray for all of us that our hearts and our minds are soft to receive what you want us to, that as we leave this place, we will leave changed through the power of your word and the work of your spirit. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. All right, so um, the first order of business we really have to do is to really debunk what meekness is, okay? Uh, it, it's not a common word that we use here in the 21st century in 2017. We don't, it's not a part of our everyday language. When we hear the word meek, I would venture to say some words that come into our mind have to do with being weak, has to do with timidity, being timid, being scared, or maybe being passive, okay? Um, Most probably the words that come to most of our minds, and so let's get a good picture of what meek really is. So to do that, let's let's talk a little baseball. Got baseball fans here today? 
to baseball fans, okay? Uh, a few more in the first service, but that's okay. We love you too. So, uh, how many Cardinal fans? My hand's down. Okay, how many fans of the world champion, Chicago Cubs? Let's hear ya. Come on. All right. So, regarding wins and losses, regarding wins and losses, who's the best pitcher on the Cardinals staff? Who knows? This, this season. Anybody know? Wainwright. Wainwright. Yep. Wainwright. Uh, and what about the Cubs regarding wins and losses? Best pitcher on the Cubs staff this year? Arietta. Arietta. That's right. Here's the deal. And you kind of can't pick this up when you watch on TV or even when you go to the game. Adam Wainwright of the Cardinals, six foot seven, 240 pounds. That's a big boy, right? Um, Arietta, Jake Arietta, 6'4", 225. So you got these two large men, professional athletes. And I'll tell you what, if you're a, an opposing batter and you start doing some trash talk to these guys and come face to face and kind of maybe call them weak and a sissy and all these kinds of things that we associate with meekness, you know what that batter's going to get? 95-mile-an-hour fastball in his ear. That's what he's going to get, okay? These aren't guys that you would look at face-to-face and call them meek. You wouldn't do that, all right? So this Major League Baseball pitcher is a great example of meekness, and this is why. They have unbelievable power. I mean, you think about this. They're throwing 90-plus mile per hour fastballs from 60 and a half feet away from the pitcher's mound to the plate and that strike zone 17 inches wide from about the chest to the knees of the batter or wherever the umpire's feeling like it should be that day and those pitchers can put that ball at that velocity wherever they want to put it this corner, that corner, inside, outside, high, low, right? They have tremendous control, which is a great picture of meekness. Meekness is taking the power that you have and directing it toward a purpose, exercising control over that power. It's a great picture of meekness. So in this purpose... By nature of biblical meekness, has to be beyond ourselves. The, the direction, the purpose that we direct our power has to be beyond ourselves regarding biblical meekness. It needs to be for the glory of God and for the good of others. Glory of God and good of others. And this takes the selfish motive out of this beatitude, because as the video joked, there's a big payoff. Inherit the earth, right? Who can afford the taxes? But who wouldn't want, you hear that, who wouldn't want to inherit the earth? That sounds like a great trade. You exercise a little meekness, get a big payoff. But that's, that's driven, that's motivated selfishly. You see, God won't let you inherit the earth if all you want is to do that for your own pleasure or your own power. So we're going to talk about in a little while what inherit the earth is actually 
means. But what I want to start off talking about today is this whole idea of power. And what power do you have? Some of you in this room, you very well may feel pretty powerful. You, 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 you have position at work. Maybe you're the owner or the manager or you have position in the community. You know, your, your name and uh, what you do carries weight in the community. You may have influence over people. You may have wealth that allows you to do or get what you want when you want it. Some of you may feel powerful because of these things. Now, now others of you here, and I'm going to venture to say the majority of us, we don't feel powerful at all. You feel like you're always taking three steps forward and two steps back. You're always feeling like there's more month than money in the bank and that nobody cares or listens. You hear this quote from the great poet Henry David Thoreau and you resonate with this where he said, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation and go to the grave with their song still in them. But here's the thing. We're not talking about external power. We're not talking about position. We're not talking about wealth. What we're going to talk about today regarding power is the inherent power that we all have. We all have. And that if we don't direct this inherent power toward a godly purpose, it will be used selfishly and destructively to those around us. So, so what power am I talking about? What power do, do you have? Do we all have? I think there's five types of inherent power that we're going to look at. And the first one is this, is pride. Is pride. Pride is powerful. At its heart, pride is fully relying on yourself instead of trusting in God. Fully relying on yourself instead of trusting in God. Pride that we have drives us to do some things. It drives us to work hard. Drives us to succeed. Drives us to make a name for ourselves. Drives us to be somebody. And all of these things is what our culture champions. You can't turn on the television. You can't flip on your phone. You can't go online. You can't hear radio. You can't just go out and, and not hear these messages screaming at you for you to be something more than what you are. And look at all these beautiful people that's going to show you how to do it. But God has a different view of pride. God says this about pride in chapter 16, verse 18 of Proverbs. He says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. You see, pride is the root of all sin that we have. Because pride is all about self and sin is all about self. It's not the type of pride where, you know, we want to do a good job because we want to honor the work that we're doing, the people we're going to serving. That's, 
that's, you know, that, that's not the type of pride that the Bible talks about. You know, there's, there's a, one of my favorite bands is, is uh, called the Avett Brothers, and they have a line in the song that says, I want to have pride like my mama had, but not like the kind in the Bible that turned you bad. Great, great line, great song. And it understands that pride can be really destructive. So pride is the first type of inherent power. The second type of inherent power that we have is anger. Is anger. You see, we all have emotion. And when our emotions are let loose, anger is there at the door. We get angry because our team lost the game. We get angry when we're cut off in traffic. We get angry when the kids ate the last Oreo. Aiden and Lydia. We get angry when someone doesn't think or talk or act or vote or mow their lawn like we do. And we get angry when things just don't go our way in the time that we think things should happen. We get angry over a lot of things. There's not a soul in here that would say that anger isn't powerful. And we all deal with anger to some degree or another. As I was preparing for this morning, I was reading um, a little book that uh, a pastor, a theologian uh, from the late 1600s, early 1700s wrote. His name is Matthew Henry. And he wrote a little book on meekness. This quote is in it when he's talking about anger. Matthew Henry said, If God should be as angry with me for every provocation as I am with those about me, what would become of me? It's a humbling quote. James, in the Bible, chapter 1, verse 20, says this, The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Never. No exceptions. The anger of man never produces anything good or right. Nothing good will ever come out of quick, explosive, full-vented anger ever. Anger is something we all have, inherently powerful. The third thing, power that we have, the third is attitude. Attitude. Your attitude is infectious. It's infectious. A good, positive attitude can bring light to a room, bring smiles to people's faces, and encouragement to those feeling down. And a bad, negative attitude brings a dark cloud wherever it goes and spreads to everyone around. And it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter. The negative attitude of a teenager can bring down the room just as much as the bad attitude of the boss when he comes in. Right? That just spreads out to all the employees that day. But the truth is this. The more influence you have, the more your attitude matters. The more influence you have, the more your attitude matters. If you're a parent, if you're an older sibling, if you're a boss, if you're a coach, if you're a manager, if you're a teacher, the more influence you have, the more your attitude matters. Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 and 15 says this, 
do all things. How many things? All things. Without grumbling or questioning, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. So, when you have a good attitude, and you're doing all these things with, with joy and gladness, you're this light shining, but if you grumble, if you complain, if you question, you're the dark cloud. Attitude is powerful. The fourth power that we all have is gifts. Is gifts. Everyone has a skill or ability. Everyone does. There's also there's something you do good, do great. Every Christian is supernaturally infused with a spiritual gift designed to build up the body of Christ. We saw a video about Backstage Pass, talking about Starting Point. We spent a whole week on it there. You need to do those things. You need to be involved. If we keep our gifts to ourselves or just use our gifts for ourselves to promote ourselves, it will, by default, cause the body to be weaker. Listen, if you're a Christian here, and this is your church, and you're not doing something, this church is not what God wants it to be. We will never be as strong as we should be. We will never make a difference in this community the way God desires us to if everyone isn't doing their parts. By default, it causes the body to be weaker, and it will be a discouragement to those around you instead of an encouragement. Romans chapter 12, verses 4, through the first part of verse 6 says, For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us Use them. Use them. Your gifts are powerful. The last point of power that we all have is presence. The power of presence. You. Your being. Your very presence is important and matters. Think about this. Think about yourself for a second. Think about a time when you're sick. Think about a time when you're struggling. Think about a time when you're sad and hurting. You just want someone there. Someone to sit with you. Someone to hold your hand. Someone to let you know that you're not alone in the midst of a dark time. Presence is powerful. And it works the other way too. It works the other way too. Do, do, do you know the person, maybe at work, or the gym, or someplace like that, that when you see them walk in the door, you think to yourself, and maybe you actually say it kind of quietly out loud, you go, oh no, not, not, the, not them again. You know that person? 
Are you that person? Presence is powerful. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 7 says, Leave the presence of a fool, for there you do not meet words of knowledge. Don't play the fool. Don't be the fool. So here's the thing. You have power. You have power. What are you going to do with it, though? If you use it on yourself, for yourself, it's going to have two outcomes. The first one is loneliness. Because, you know what, because all these things are about you and self. People don't want to be around people like that. You're going to be lonely. The second thing, it's going to cause destruction to those around you, bringing people down, breaking relationships. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, he said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. See, we, we, have this, we have these inherent powers and we're tempted to use them for ourselves, but part of our work in following Christ is denying ourselves. You see, this is the key, the key to have any chance, any chance of control of your inherent power is found only in surrendering your life to Christ and having him give you a new life. It's your only hope. You can't control yourself on your own. And then, through the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, you can begin to practice meekness. But it's got to start with your faith in Christ and giving yourself up denying yourself and following him and allowing his spirit to indwell you and empower you to live the life that's designed for you. So let, let's talk about now directing this power. Let's talk about practicing meekness. There are five inherent powers that we talked about that we all have. I want to talk about five ways Five dialects, so to speak, of meekness. The language of meekness. What does it look like? So let's talk about these dialects. The first one is this, is humility. Is humility. Author and theologian C.S. Lewis famously said, humility isn't thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. It's not thinking less of yourself, not pity party, poor me. It's thinking of yourself less. It's practicing thinking of others more. The quickest way for you to be miserable is to think about yourself all the time. I should get a chorus of amens for that. It's true. It's true. Humility is also being honest about yourself with yourself. Being honest about yourself with yourself. Which means you stop minimizing sin issues. Oh, it's really not that bad. It's really not that big a deal. Actually, yeah, it is. It really is. And it's also not maximizing your awesomeness that you think you are. 
I'm just great. No, really, you're not that great. You can take your awesomeness somewhere else. Okay? So humility is being honest with yourself about yourself. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 5. says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Humility is the first dialect of meekness. The second dialect, the, sa- the second language of meekness is gentleness. Now, if anger has an opposite, it's probably gentleness. If it has an opposite, gentleness kindly and calmly brings attention and care to other people. Kindly and calmly bringing attention and care to other people. Paul writes to the Corinthians. In the second Corinthians, the first verse of chapter 10, Paul says, I, Paul, myself, entreat you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ. Because Jesus is meek, because Jesus is gentle, I will be that too. Did you know that the Bible only describes two people as meek? Out of the whole scripture, this whole book, only two people are described as meek. First one is Moses in Numbers. But Moses described himself as meek, so I'm not sure that one even really counts. Kind of blows the humility thing out of the water a little bit. The second person is Jesus. Jesus is the other person described as meek. Well, how's Jesus meek? We sang about the meekness of Jesus today. Do you realize that? We sang that he is the lion and the lamb. What a beautiful, powerful visual of the meekness of Christ. And this verse in Corinthians tells us that gentleness is inseparable from meekness. Gentleness is the second dialect of meekness. The third dialect, the third language is self-control. Self-control. Now, when you read the term self-control in your Bible, because there are some different ways to kind of draw out things from this word, your Bible translation might use some different terms. Um, It may not say self-control. It may uh, say sober-minded. Or it may say sound judgment. Okay? But the basic gist of all of them is that you're not going to let your emotions control you. You won't let your emotions control you. You will exercise control over your emotions. And you can only do that by being submitted to Jesus. Because Scripture says, His love controls me. His love, His love compels me. I want you to understand this about emotions. There's not good emotions and bad emotions. There's not. Emotions in themselves aren't wrong. They're God-given. But the direction in which we allow them to go, 
will result in either good or bad things. That's where self-control comes in. Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. You see, this is a tremendous benefit and blessing of being a follower of Christ, of having His Spirit in us to help us do all this stuff. You can only truly be a person self-controlled when the Spirit's in you and you're submitted to Him. Self-control is the third language of meekness. The fourth language of meekness is this, is loving others. Loving others. God clearly tells us, clearly tells us how our lives are to be directed. No question. Our lives are to be directed two ways, upward and outward. The only two directions our lives are to go, upward and outward, never inward. Never inward. Upward toward him to praise his glory and outward toward others in love and service. Meekness, remember, it's about directing power for the purpose of God's glory and others' good. Directing power for the purpose of God's glory and others' good. And this is what the whole great commandment is about. Matthew 22, verses 36 through 39, Jesus questioned, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Upward, outward. Love God. Love others. These are the only directions our lives should go. If they go this way, it's misery and destruction. Loving others is the fourth language, the fourth dialect of meekness. And the fifth one, the final one, is submission to God and His Word. Submission to God and His Word. For you to have any hope of directing power to practice meekness, you have to view yourself as one under authority. You have to view yourself as one under authority. You can't have the attitude that you call all the shots, that you're the one in charge, that you're the one in authority everywhere. You can't walk around with that. If you are submitted to God and His Word, if you are living as one who understands I'm under authority, you live with the understanding that God is God and you are not. Matt, uh, Jesus says in Matthew 28, 18, as he is giving his final words, the Great Commission, before he ascends into heaven, he says this, and Jesus came to them and said, all authority, how much authority? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus isn't sharing any authority or power with anybody. All authority is His. Is His. So those are the five languages of meekness. 
how we practice meekness. And as we do that, there's a, there's a great reward because God is a good God, is a loving God who loves to give great things to his kids. Amen? Jesus said, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. What's he talking about? What is this whole thing? Is he saying, if we live lives of directed power for, for God's glory and the good of others, do, do we really become owners? Do we become rulers? Do we become kings and queens of the planet? Is that really what he's talking about? Well, to find out what he's talking about, we need to go back to the book of Psalms. Jesus is in part quoting a psalm here. Psalm 37, verses 8 through 11. David writes, Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. Let me tell you, this isn't about property. It's not about property. If it was about property, two things are going to be involved. One, there's going to be a price to pay if it's about property. Two, there's going to be a battle to fight if it's about property. I know we have people in here that are realtors. I know, you know there's homeowners, business owners, property owners, and there's always, always a price to pay and a battle to fight. And when I hear price to pay and battle to fight, that doesn't sound like abundant peace to me. That sounds like stress and tension and conflict. Abundant peace. A peace that passes all understanding only comes through faith in the person and work of Christ. Only comes through faith in the person and work of Christ. Because why? Because he paid the price for our sin with his own life. Because he fought the battle against sin and the devil and rose victorious. Amen? And because of his finished work, and how do we know it's finished? Because he said so as he hung on that cross and said, it is finished. And then, as the Bible tells us, he ascended into heaven. And what did he do? He sat down at the right hand of the Father. His work is done. Because of his finished work, through faith in him, we have a heavenly inheritance waiting for us. Listen to what Peter says. 1 Peter chapter 1, 
verses 3 and 4, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept where? Say it louder. Kept where? In heaven for you. Kept in heaven for you. Verse 5 even goes on and says, Who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. This is the next verse. So listen, when Christ comes back, when Jesus returns, he will once and for all cast away sin and Satan and restore all things. We won't have to deal with the issues of the curse anymore. There won't be weeds growing anymore. We won't be dealing with 120 degree heat index, you know, with 3,000% humidity. Praise God that we won't have to deal with that. Right? There won't be any more brokenness or pain or sickness or conflict or anything. The lion and the lamb will be laying down together. You see, we're promised when he comes back, we're promised that God creates a new heaven and a new earth. That is our final destination. That is our ultimate inheritance that Jesus promises us when we become me. So when we talk about inheriting the earth, it's looking way beyond where we're at now. Praise God for that. I, I, I don't want to inherit this mess of a world down here. I'm very interested in inheriting the new heaven and new earth and enjoying that forever. So listen, as we wrap this up, to be built to last, to be built to last you have to direct your power toward a godly purpose. God's glory and others' good. That is how you're built to last. You can't keep allowing your inherent power to shoot off in all directions. You need Jesus to save you from you. You need Jesus to save you from you. You need the Holy Spirit in you, providing you with the ability to live out meekness day to day. You can't do it on your own. You need to submit yourself to the authority of God's Word so you know His will, His purpose, and His direction for your life. As you come to know Jesus, know that you have an incredible inheritance being prepared and waiting for you to the praise of his glory. We're going to take some time and end in prayer today. I'm going to ask um, in just a second that the prayer teams would come forward. And here's what I'm going to encourage you all with. I know in Groups this big, there are people in here that don't know the Lord. 
you're trying to, someone invited you, you're figuring things out, you've heard about Jesus, but you, you, you haven't surrendered your life to him yet. I invite you to come to Jesus this morning. Surrender your life to him. Uh, repent, believe the gospel, and be able to live this life of meekness. For, for those of us who are believers, and you know, maybe there's some parts of today that really kind of struck home and you realize, I, I, I need to come clean with this part. I, I need to grow in my humility. I need to, I need to have more self-control by the help of a spirit. I, I, I let my anger kind of freak out all the time, and, and I need to repent and believe the gospel afresh. He's a good and gracious and merciful God of second chances. Come to him. Be prayed for. Repent today. If you have any other need, come forward. Let's all stand together. Prayer teams, go ahead and come on down. We're going to pray together now. Dan's going to lead us in a, in a chorus. And as you have a need, as you need to come to the Lord, please come. Don't waste the opportunity. Be prayed for. Father God, we come to you today recognizing that you are God and we are not. Recognizing that you're a good God who gives good gifts to their children. We, you provide us all that we need to live this great life that you have planned for us. God, you, you want us all to be built to last, to have these foundational character qualities. And Lord, I pray for our meekness today. Lord, I pray for those who do not know you or that you're that they just feel you calling to them and that they would respond and have a brand new day start today. Lord, I pray for those of us who are, who are your followers and, and, uh, and, and we need to again come before you and confess our sin and believe afresh and, and ask you to help lead us and guide us to the power of your spirit, guidance of your word. Thank you that we are able to do that. You don't cast us out. You draw us in. Lord, any other need that we have, physical need, a relational need, anything that's just broken, you want us to come to you with those. God, thank you for giving us your spirit. Thank you for your word. Thank you that we can be meek and direct that power to your glory and the good of others. That we shall be inheritors of the earth. Thank you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on forward. Thank you for worshiping with us today. God bless you. Grace and peace.